Hey, everybody, we're going to kick the show off pretty soon. But first, we need to tell you about a couple of sponsors we have this week. First up is a little movie called Unseen from Blumhouse Productions. Two women form an unlikely connection when Sam, a gas station clerk, receives a misdialed call from Emily, who is running from her murderous ex-boyfriend in the woods. Having lost her glasses in her escape, Emily must rely on Sam's eyes using the video call in order to survive. Unseen is the latest thriller from Blumhouse Productions and is available to rent or buy on digital now. This film is not rated. You know what? I've heard nothing but good things about this movie. It's got a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. I hadn't gotten around to seeing it yet, but I'm going to check it out. Now. Are you saying you haven't seen Unseen? <laughs> yes, that is. Have you seen it? I have not seen Unseen yet. I will see Unseen at a certain point, I'm sure. And then it will be seen. Then it they will have to be changed the title legally after you. After <laughs> That's you at least the, the sequel. It's got to be the sequel. Yeah. Very if they don't expensive. make a sequel to this called Scene, then uh, I demand a refund already in advance. Indeed. Uh, both of our sponsors at the top of the show are about movies. The other one is the Overlook Film Festival, which we went there last year. You and I hosted that great panel with Mick Garris. We screened Sleepwalkers. Mm -hmm. uh, and KingCast is returning with a, uh, with a vengeance, or at least half of it. Poor Scott's not going to make the trip this year, but uh, I will be out there with guest host Brian Fuller filling in for Scott, maybe even wearing his own uh, mohawk. You have no idea. We don't know yet. <laughs> Brian um, would look good with a mohawk. Yeah, and we're going to screen The Dead Zone. It's the 40th anniversary of The Dead Zone, and uh, we will be doing that with a returning guest, Mr. David Ferrier. So it's going to be a blast on the KingCast side, but you know what? Uh, they got a whole bunch of really great things showing up there this year. We got, they have Nicolas Cage and Chris McKay are showing up for the world premiere of Renfield. Mm -hmm. Joe Dante and John Goodman are going to be there for a 30th anniversary screening of Matinee, which is one of my personal favorites. I love that movie. Mm -hmm. um, friend of the show, David Desmalchin is going to be there showing the Tingler. Uh, they got so many great horror movies uh, lined up, old and new. Uh, and that will be in New Orleans March 30th through April 2nd. And if you want more info or to get tickets, you can go to overlookfilmfest.com and, uh, yeah, come out, watch some movies with us, come see the dead zone. You know, the ice will break yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and, uh, they made sure that I had to read this part. So I will read this part here. Are you ready for it? Mm hmm. And for your greater Louisiana destination needs, be sure to visit louisianatravel.com to plan your trip today. Very upset that I can't make it this year. But uh, I do not feel bad about it because our listeners that show up are getting two fucking amazing guests. That's better yes. than me. That's that's better than me. And I, I can't compete with Fuller and Fuller and Farrier at the same time. Well, All right. One yeah. last ad read. You know the one. It's for our benevolent corporate overlords over at Fangoria. In 1979, the first issue of Fangoria was released into the world. It's been over 40 years, and they are better than ever. Each issue bringing you 100 pages of exclusive, carefully curated content on Orient Horror's past, present, and future. These articles and interviews will never be published online, so the only way to read them is by getting your hands on a physical, collectible copy of your own. We can't give anything away because we want the experience to be a surprise, but we can safely say that you do not want to miss a single page. So, head on over to Fangoria.com to learn more and to subscribe, and while you're there, make sure to enter the promo code KingCast to save 25% off your yearly subscription. With all that said, on with the show. Hi. My name is Stephen King. The ice is gonna break! 
advice for go see a dead body. Well, sometimes that is better. Hello and welcome back to the KingCast on the Fangoria Podcast Network. My name's Scott Wampler. And I'm Eric Vespi. And we are your hosts. We're very excited to have this week's guest with us today, gang, and what a time to have them. Known collectively as Radio Silence, our guests today are responsible for some of our favorite horror films of the past decade, including a a segment in the original VHS, uh, another segment in horror anthology Southbound, 2014's Devil's Due, 2019's Outstanding Ready or Not, which I just rewatched the other night, and that thing fucking still kills. Uh, 2022 Scream, and last but certainly not least, this past weekend Scream 6, which just might be the best entry in the Scream franchise since the original trilogy. Today, they're here to talk 1987's The Running Man. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the KingCast stage, Mr. Matt Bettinelli-Open and Tyler Gillette. How are you gentlemen doing today? Damn, got kind of teared up a little bit during that intro. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's our version of the this is your life, you know? Yes. (laughs) This is everything you have ever done. The use of the use of the word "decade" uh, really, really hit me like a brick to the face. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. it's the last three years don't count. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this so, is a short decade, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a, a decade with training wheels on it. Um, <laughs> guys, Scream Scream Six just came out. People are losing their minds for this movie. It's your second at bat with this franchise. Did you ever think you would have the the keys to this kingdom? No, uh, definitely not. Uh, <laughs> word, no. <laughs> I mean, you know, one of the things we've talked about a lot is that if you had asked us the day before we read the script for Scream 5, if we would ever even like flirt with the idea of doing something like a Scream reboot, recall, whatever, we would have said no way because we love it too much. Um, mm. Yeah, but then we read the script and we were like, oh, this is fucking great. We'd be mm-hmm. insane not to do this. And it was with the same group we did Ready or Not with. So, you know, it felt like, family kind of getting back together it was there was something really serendipitous about it and then also to be one of our favorite franchises it was it was scary but it was fucking awesome and we know and we never thought it would be a thing that would enter our lives i i would imagine that would be an extremely high pressure situation scream fans are some of the most passionate fans in the horror world i find you know i've got yeah i'm not not noticing the same thing (laughs) (laughs) I, I imagine you've been on, on the receiving end of, of both sides of that equation, but yeah. Um, and it feels like, but it feels like the majority of the time, I think, you know, what we've found is that, that, uh, that fandom really sets a standard and it's mm-hmm. been, it's been fun to try to, to try to create, to achieve something even close to that standard. It's been a really, it's a really fun challenge. I mean, I, you know, by and large that fan base is, some of the most thoughtful made up of some of the most thoughtful, intelligent and careful movie watchers yeah. out there. <laughs> careful. Yeah. Careful I mean, really like the level such of a political guys, way to put that <laughs> guys, the level of forensic detail that those movies are dissected with yeah. is just uh, honestly beyond comprehension a lot of the time for us. And so, but, but that's fun, right? It's fun to get to create in a space where, you know, people are really, are really paying attention. That's, it's just, it's an honor to get to do yeah. that. Well, and and I know that there's going to be some folks like that that'll see things out of context up up like way in advance, and like the whole Ghostface doesn't use a gun debate that that popped up, and you know after the the trailer came out, and it's just like, well, one bullshit. The Ghostface is using a gun yeah. in every Scream movie, um, but. <laughs> 
two, it's like, you know, uh, guess what? This isn't Jason Voorhees, my man. Like this is, there's a, there's different people under the mask in each one of these things. So there's so much freedom there. Uh, but I've also noticed that the, all that shit like calms down. It, it reminds me of like everybody that was um, like shit talking Bella Ramsey being in The Last of Us uh, and how that she didn't look like Ellie and blah, 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 blah. And notice how all those motherfuckers are quiet now, right? <laughs> well, so, not all of them. A, 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 good, a good majority of them. Have, they, yeah. They've been drowned what? out. But yeah. Why do you guys think that is? Have you? Because we have conversations about this a lot. How mm. it feels like the default setting in a lot of these forums is just is negativity. Like you started a deficit, and you have to prove you have to mm. prove to everyone that you're better than their initial their initial idea of what something is. And it's it, it feels like it's a fairly God. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not that new. I, I don't know. But it feels like it feels like it's a very new thing to yeah. be sort of. To start start your impression of something as a contrarian instead of just being open and willing to be to be surprised and to have mm. fun. I think yeah. um you know, when I when I consider that, you know, what you're talking about and the the reactions that things get on social media, there's two things that I think about. One is the many years I spent working in the service industry. And I worked in shitty restaurants. I worked in nice restaurants. I worked. I, I, I was a real whore during that period. <laughs> I, I, I got, I got fired from a lot of jobs. I quit a lot of jobs. You know, it was like I, I think I ended up working in a total of like fifteen restaurants or something over the course of maybe a maybe a decade and a half. And and some of those were for years at a time, just to give you an idea of like how frequently I would jump around. And. What I learned during that period, more than anything, is that people will rarely tell you when you've done a good job. If you fuck up in any way, uh, they'll be real quick to tell you. Right. They're happy to to pipe up. (laughs) So I think that is inherent to human nature. And then I think when you add to that the, um, the gamification of negativity on social media. That's a good way to put it. It's an impossible thing to resist. You know, I can I can go tweet right now, like a picture of my dog and say how much I love my dog and whatever, and it'll do fine. But if I hop on there and start shit talking some movie or some celebrity or something, it'll perform way better. That's just that's just how social media works. I think I have a very dark opinion of Mm. of, of same. Yeah, there's same. There's another side of it, too, and it's oddly something you tackle in your previous screen movie um, where there's this ownership that that fandom has yes. has now claimed on properties um and i think that a lot of these folks are for new things are the most open-minded great you know i'm gonna accept whatever is is given and i'll champion support it but once they feel that that they own a piece of this property it means something to them then that metric changes instantly and it just becomes prove it uh don't you're gonna fuck this up unless uh you prove otherwise right Um, there's no way anybody knows better could possibly know better than which is hilarious (laughs) for scream fans considering how you know how much they loved what you did for this last this last movie and that's like such a the previous movie sorry not not scream six just scream um, you know, that, that's such a central, you know, <laughs> a central, uh, uh, theory in there. And it's one of the reasons I love, uh, that legacy sequel, you know, vibe of it is, is that you address that complete with the Ryan Johnson nod and, and whatnot. And it's like, 
you know, cause that was coming off of just the absolute fucking dog pile that, that Ryan Johnson, you know, uh, and his cast and crew got, got over the last Jedi. And I think that that was just all that wasn't based on quality. Cause you know, if you actually objectively look at, at the themes of the movie and, and all that stuff, it's like, there's a lot of thought that went into it. That was wholly based on, uh, this isn't what I want it to be. And I'm pissed off about it. So, uh, not not looking at the quality and and you know so the, the fact that you you fucking rolled that into the um or you guys you know were able to tell the movie and roll that that idea into um scream it makes it all the funnier whenever you start getting those you know what the hell it's not in woodsboro you know all, all that stuff it's like <laughs> it's like it, we addressed this in the last movie y'all the richies so funny, are though. is what we started saying yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's like a discovery though that gets lost in all of that, right? Like for us, like right. making something or as fans watching something, like I want to be surprised. And I want I want that to be a discovery. Like we we don't make movies going, we have something super specific to say. I mean, yes, there are overarching themes that we try to adhere to, but like part of it, there still is a discovery in the process. And I feel mm. like as fans, we have that too. Like I love watching a movie and going fuck didn't see that coming like and not like i need to be surprised but i didn't see that coming in a way that i never would have done that or thought that was a good idea but i'm glad they did and maybe i don't even like it in the moment but i you know i feel like i've watched enough and read enough and done enjoyed enough entertainment to be like those are usually the things that i look back on 10 years later and go oh fuck i really actually love that more than most of the things i liked at the moment when it came out Yeah, Yeah, we talk a lot about how just the level that that access has changed that, you know, loving something back in the day, you know, we're kids of we're kids of the 80s and and 90s that it required falling in love with something required more work on the part of the, you know, on Mm. the part of the watcher or listener that, you know, you'd buy an album and and you maybe didn't love it at first. And then two weeks later, having listened to it because it was one of three CDs in your car, it was like suddenly one of the most formative things and one of your favorite <laughs> yeah. things. Yeah. And you know, that it, that there was, um, that it, there was, uh, it asked more, those sort of analog formats asked more from, from us. And there was, you know, you had to, you had to work, you had to work to fall in love with something and, and mm. access, the level of access has it, changed it, that. In so many I ways. mean, Dude, just to like jump off that for a second, I two of my favorite albums as now a middle-aged old dude, <laughs> when they came out, uh, I did not like. Like I specifically didn't like it. By the same band, by Jawbreaker. I did not like their last two albums. And they both took me like months to get into. And they've stuck with me more than anything else in their catalog. Like it's really weird how that works. Yeah. yeah you, you start to appreciate the swings um, that artists take, um, which is why I think, uh, well, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm the guy that loves temple of doom to death. Um, And (laughs) the reason I love it is because it's not trying to be Raiders. And that's exactly why the audience at the time kind of reacted negatively towards it. You know, every, once you realize that that movie is making every decision uh, at every point just to differentiate itself from Raiders, you know, uh, no Nazis in it, you know, we're going to set it earlier. So there's no, you know, German threat. The MacGuffin is wildly different. The location's wildly different. You know, the, you don't have a Marion clone. You have the, her exact opposite in Willie Scott. You know, it's, uh, you know, I, I think that those things end up aging better, you know, over time because, you know, you start to see that you're not just 
being given a formula. Yeah, yeah. that movie's low key a horror film too. Like, oh, I, it's, totally. I, I when I think back on that on that well the original trilogy, I mean, some of the most memorable moments of the trilogy are in are in Temple of Doom. So yeah. I mean, for all of its for all of its problems, which I think we probably a lot you know we we probably agree with a lot of them on this yeah. podcast. I think it also very much gave us some of the most the most indelible certainly horrific moments you know uh, that i that i can remember right. as a kid ever seeing in a movie yeah how much responsibility do you put on yourselves to make the fans happy like obviously you want them to like the movie but isn't there also a feeling of like but at the end of the day we're going to do what we want to do like like how do you how do you balance those things I think we, you know, even from back when we were just starting out and making internet shorts and stuff, one of the things we always would say to each other is that we have to entertain ourselves and yes. and we can't lie to each other about that. Like if it's like we never let anything in that even if people are like, no, that's really good, but we don't like it or we're bored of it, at, you know, on the third watch, we're like, we have to find a better way to do this. It's just not working. And I think it, I think it's kind of a handshake between those two ideas, but mm. for, you know, I think, and you know, Tyler, tell me if you feel differently about this, but for the last one, I think we felt a little more pressure to make sure that we lived up to the previous four in the franchise. Right. And then yeah. going into this one, I know we had conversations where we were like, you know, let's, let's just trust and hope that people go along with us on this. But the goal is to, you know, make something that we're really proud of that we love. Yeah. Right we on. come at it as fans first, I think, which is, you know, um, just an important part of an important part of, of that factors into the, the approach, you know, it's with something like scream. I mean, it's uh, it was so influential on the way we wanted to tell stories and what we, what we were entertained by and what we wanted to emulate. And, and so, you know, coming into it as, as fans, it feels like, you're already starting with a little bit of a a little bit of that sense of of balance because those movies were so formative for us and I mean so much of what we love and what we try to create you know is is just drafting off of the blueprint that that you know Wes Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson created. Mm -hmm. Do you think? Uh, have you got interest in doing another one? I mean, yeah, I think that. I think that we would always, I think we would always be interested. I, I mean, I, it's, I can say that we have never had more fun making, making something than we have these last two movies. And there, there are a lot and there were uh, I, I, countless challenges, but um, it's been, it's been really privilege <laughs> of our lives to get to, yeah. to get to jump in. And, you know, if it was, if it was something that, that came back around to us, we'd be, um, you're more than happy to, to participate. You know, another it, part of that. Oh, sorry. I was just going to no, say go another part of that, just specifically with these two Scream movies, is that we've kind of built such a family on them in the most like real sense where, you know, at the premiere last week, a bunch of the cast from Scream 5 came out and it just felt so wholesome and loving. And I think it's <laughs> that thing where I don't know, how, you know, we love we love to see screen movies go on forever, but to get to work with these actors and like producers and writers again, it's just it'd be so wonderful. So on this, on something else, it's it's just it's really special. 
I think if yeah, I, I were think in one your... of the big challenges of making anything is that like it's over and then it's like, well, fuck, we have to try to, especially when it's been great. Like, how do you replicate that? And um, when all of the ingredients or most of the ingredients are going to have to change. And that's always mm. just more, it's, it's less daunting when you're like, oh shit, we can kind of return, return to form with the same group. Of people. Right. That's, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of tempting fate every time you come back. And I, and, and not, <laughs> and not just because it, not just because it's you, not just because it's Scream, but I would I would feel that way about any, you know, any any franchise thing where yeah. it was like, hey, we hit a run. You know, people love these last two movies. I think if I were in your position, I, the struggle would be when these things are as instantly successful as they are. I would imagine that the machinery in Hollywood starts turning immediately talking about sequel, right? And I can imagine yeah. being like, especially off the back, you guys just spent the last couple of years just immersed in mm-hmm. in scream stuff. Right. So I think if it, if I were in your position, the struggle would be, we've got these other ideas we want to do, but we also love working with these people, and you know we got a good thing going here. So you know, I, yeah. I don't envy you being in that position. I, I don't. I, I, feel I like don't know what the fuck I'd do. I think everyone in our lives, like reps, significant others friends were none none of them were like you guys should definitely jump in and do scream six like everybody everybody (laughs) it was pretty hard the other way actually it's hard the other way like you guys threaded that needle why would you why would you attempt the same exercise again with it with a smaller target and um and i think it just you know look i some of it is just masochism uh, you know and and maybe that's just mm-hmm. built in a bit into our process mm-hmm. but i think at the same time it's also just having faith um in the people you're working with and mm-hmm. look anytime we step into something with guy and jamie and william and paul we know we know it's going to be something special and uh, and we have a closeness to those relationships that you know nobody nobody can understand like the context of of what those relationships are just very specific to us in the process. And Mm -hmm. um, so it just felt, it felt right. We knew it was a risk, but it just, it also felt like, like if we were ever going to take that level of risk, it was this group of people um, were the people to do it with. Right on. Well, and before we move into the Stephen King section, I do have to also congratulate you on, on getting ahead of the curve on uh, Jenna Ortega uh, taking over the world. Um, uh, because I know that I'm late to the game in the uh, Ortega, um, uh, I don't know, or her filmography, she's been acting for a decade now, right? Uh, but when I saw her in uh, Scream, uh, I was like, oh, that's a movie star. Like, it, and it's just like, I can't only imagine like how you guys felt. you been like, oh, thank God. You know, thank God we got, got this person in there. And then in the like couple of years since, she's just been in everything and becoming the biggest star. So, congrats on on uh, on landing <laughs> the, her in the movie. And um, uh, and yeah, I don't have a question. I just wanted to say that. Jeez. Oh, if we're doing Next more comment, if we're doing more comments than questions right now, um, I, <laughs> I I would like to say that I, I wasn't I I wasn't talking out of my ass. I did just rewatch ready or not like last week. And um, I wanted to tell you that I think uh, my favorite thing about that movie is the, the first time you see it, you, they get through all the setup and, and they, you 
get through all the setup of, <laughs> of the thing. <laughs> and then you're sitting there thinking, okay, but how are they going to resolve this? Like, that's what I thought. And it was like, well, it's either, it's either legit or it's not, you know, like this curse or the, 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 the hoops they got to jump through, you know, in order to not die this family. Um, but it's, it's one of those stories where I would, I feel like you're almost uh, painted into a corner, creatively speaking, where the audience is going to think like, it's got to be one or the other. And I don't know which one I prefer. And somehow y'all delivered the most entertaining fucking possible <laughs> <laughs> ending to that. <laughs> like I when I, when I rewatched it, uh, I was watching it with two people who had not seen it. You know, and so when the uh, the like the blinds open at the end and the sun starts coming in and nothing happens initially, mm. they were like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Like, this is a good joke. That's not the joke. You know, <laughs> that, that's a misdirect. That, that, yeah, that motherfuckers start exploding. And it's like it's it, like watching it. And even on even on any rewatch I've done of it, it's just like. It feels so good. It's so satisfying to see these assholes just explode all over the screen. <laughs> I think it's I think it's a rare, uh, perfect ending to a film. Well, and that, thank you. That, yes, thank you. Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that section of the movie when, you know, from, from when the blinds are opened until Aunt Helene explodes, that that was... Like that that we cut that we spent more time sort of cutting that section than than a lot of the movie, and I think it was this desire to actually have both both endings, right? Like the the longer mm -hmm. you can, the longer you can live in the awkwardness of, oh fuck, we've we've done all of this <laughs> because we're we're superstitious assholes, and where what do we do now? And the second you feel like we've we've like stretched the tension of that as far as we can you give them the other ending and i think the the amount right. of time like the number of reactions the number of cutaways that was something that we were really i mean we were we were cutting cutting like right up until the end of the process just calibrating because we because we really genuinely wanted to sort of have a version of both of those you know both of those endings we wanted to have an echo of that superstitious ending before the big the big finale <laughs> the big finale yeah <laughs> <laughs> well uh we we love you guys you you're you're fantastic at what you do and i i can't wait well, to thanks. see what y'all do next yeah thank you um but we must move on to the uh the stephen king portion of our stephen king podcast let's do um, it <laughs> so uh let's start here uh what is y'all's stephen king origin story whoever wants to go first I mean, I, I'll go real quick. I think, you know, I think it, it would probably be Stand By Me, but I don't think I realized that at the time, so mm. I'm not going to count it. Right. Um, but the one that I remember the best was uh, reading the reading Dead Zone. Mm. That was a, a because and I, you know, I just have this like really and I still have it like this really kind of like freaked out, icky feeling about it because I was a kid, you know, I mean, I was like, I don't know. 10 something and uh mm. when did that when did that come when did the adaptation come out it's uh celebrating its 40th anniversary this year so it, that oh, would mean it's uh 83 yeah yeah so i so i saw that on video at some point in the 80s right. 
And it was that kind of one two punch of like uh, understanding, oh shit, this is a this is a different thing. And then of course it was like Pet Cemetery and all that kind of stuff that was big then mm -hmm. in the periphery. But Dead Zone was the one that for me really the book and the movie. That's an interesting choice. Up a little bit, yeah. And, and it's, it's well, it's, not that it's a choice, but yeah, it's not a choice exactly. It just kind of <laughs> happened. But but like that—that's the first one you would have uh, read or seen. I think I got it. I think I got it on vacation. I think I got it like on a vacation. It was like at a convenience store or something. That's my memory. I don't, you know, know if that's totally true or not. But yeah, I think, and I think mine was maximum overdrive <laughs> oh no Two wildly was, different origin stories i yeah, love it <laughs> it was that was just one that um on it was just on at, at my house my dad was a was a fan and you know i'm sorry it's funny I, I pulled up the i pulled up the um you know the list of stephen king movies and i'm just i'm looking at the the one sheets for him and I, i'm familiar with all of them right i i was one of those kids that would immediately at the video store break off from my parents and go into the horror section and just oh, yeah. like look at all of the the weird VHS jackets and and so many of these like I have a sense memory tied to uh you know to the carry the carry jacket Firestarter and the Shining and Cujo mm -hmm. and but, but I think the first movie for me was probably Maximum Overdrive and Stand by Me but Matt I didn't same I I didn't know. I didn't know at the time that that was that that was King. And by the way, probably didn't know at the time that Maxim Overdrive was was King either. I just I knew I loved it, and it was wacky and scary, and um, and my dad loved it. So anything my dad loved, you know, I felt like it was a an opportunity to connect with him. So I th I think that was my um probably my first my first uh, hmm. Stephen King. We just story. screened that here in Austin. Vespi owns a thirty like a gorgeous 35 millimeter print of that thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And, oh, really? uh, yeah, yeah. So we screened it at the, the draft house and, uh, man, I cannot tell you how excited we were when like before the screening, we we're like, so how many of y'all have seen maximum overdrive <laughs> and, or have not seen maximum overdrive. And I shit you not like half the crowd had not seen it. And we were like giddy, like, oh, 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 this is the way to see it. Like, and, you know, um, with a crowd, I had never seen it in a theater before. Mm. Um, and yeah, seeing pumped, it with that audience. We pumped up the audience, by the way, by uh, by making them all shout in unison, we made you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, over and over again. <laughs> we told them that the projectionist uh, wouldn't run the print unless uh, he was sure that the audience was ready. So. So it yeah. was like a solid minute and a half of louder and louder. We made you being uh, screamed. Uh, Incredible. <laughs> disturbing. Me, you know, yeah, yeah. with the whale playing next door. I'm sure they're like sitting there going, you know, trying, trying to, you know, wipe tears off of their cheeks of Brendan Fraser's being super intimate and quiet. And all of a sudden through the walls, you hear, we made you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eventually the draft house is going to tell us to knock it off with our hijinks, but we, we've got Matt, some time before that happens. Maximum overdrive shot in Wilmington, right? Yeah. It's shot in Wilmington. What was it, the, it, did we meet some, did we meet a couple that it shot at their house? I'm trying to, we have a very specific the, maximum was, overdrive story from the had, shooting of Scream five. We had two. We had one that the the dinner we went to the night before we started shooting a couple nights before um, was in the where the location of that ATM, the you know, the no shit, Stephen, the... Stephen King at the ATM. Right. Uh, it was like right there. I think that place is gone now and it's kind of now maybe that's a parking lot, but right next to it is 
And so that was fun. We were like, hey, this is where Maximum Overdrive <laughs> shot. And then we were scouting, which was maybe a couple days before that, the house that in Scream 5 where Wes and Judy Hicks live. And this couple walks by us and they were there going to find another house from Maximum Overdrive that is apparently within a block of the house that we shot at. Yeah. But I don't know what it was because we, you know, we were in the kind of mayhem of like just pre-production. So we didn't take the time to like run over. But so apparently Scream 5 and Maximum Overdrive shot within a block of each other. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder it's so good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Are y'all readers of King? I mean, I I, I know. uh, It was when I was uh, younger. I haven't in a long time, though. Okay. All right, right on. Is this our cue to Same. recommend revival and pick up revival? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yes. That. This is something we do on. Great, great. Almost every episode of the show at this point. Um, yeah, revival is a great late stage King Reed. Um, I, th- I God, our listeners must be so tired of hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> this is the fast forward part. <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's. It, I'll, I'll keep it very brief. It's um. You read Revival, and for the first, like, three quarters of it, you're like, the fuck? Where is this going? And then it and then it drop kicks you square in the face with, like, the darkest ending, he, I, I would argue, that he's ever written. Um, it is it is shattering. And uh, that that book wasn't very uh, wasn't really popular upon release. So mm-hmm. we've we've taken it upon ourselves to make that like our our <laughs> personal our personal pick when people are like, well, what King should I read next? It's a revival. Just go read revival. And then just bought it dudes. (laughs) While we were on the podcast. (laughs) Enjoy. I would love to hear what you think. Once you, uh, once you get to the ending and I will warn you now, do not read a single thing about it. Um, uh, before like any reviews or any writing about it, because chances are, it's going to spoil that shit for you. But, uh, yeah, yeah, you'll enjoy going cold. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. Love it. So we um we kind of went back and forth on a on a title for you guys. Um and then ultimately arrived at uh The Running Man, which is which is a show uh, we're a show, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean it is a show. To be yeah, fair. it is. <laughs> it's a movie about a show true. based on yeah. a book. Yeah. It's a new Netflix doc series. Um <laughs> a lot of drone shots. Um I I this is a this is a film and a story that we've covered uh, several times on the show. This is like like uh, Pet Cemetery or The Shining. One of the one of these titles that we have revisited somewhat often. It's been a while since we did it, but on rewatching it this past weekend, I found a whole new angle to come Ooh. at this from. Yeah, oh. I'm very excited about this, uh, and uh, and and we'll we'll talk about we'll get to that in a bit. But first. Um, would one of you be willing to outline the general plot of the running man? Tyler, you want to go for it? Uh, yeah, I'll go for it. <laughs> this doesn't yeah. need to be Love a scene enthusiasm. by scene. Like, <laughs> no, you know, absolutely. I mean, try, it's, not, to it's, do, it's, try it's, not to accidentally do scream. Is it ben, ben, ben Richardson. <laughs> is that his name? Ben Richards. Yeah. Ben Richards. He's uh, a bad motherfucker. Uh, bad motherfucker. Um, <laughs> Uh, he, uh, he's basically framed for the, for the murder of many, many civilians and ultimately is, uh, 
is on the run and then captured. And as part of his sentence, you sort of learn that the criminals uh, in this day and age uh, are put into this this murderous game called The Running Man, mm-hmm. um, where if they survive, they're sent off to some like paradise, right? They, they, they ha- are considered to have paid their debt to society and get to live happily ever after. We, of course, learned that's not the case. And, and mm-hmm. everybody who plays the game ultimately dies. And he ends up uh, in the game with with three of his three of his his friends, and um, ultimately has to fight to survive, but also expose Killian, who's the the host of the show, and really the kind of proxy for the government that's mm-hmm. uh, that's allowing these uh, these gladiatorial games to kind of uh, play out. Um, right. Well, did I do it? How did I do yeah, it? Did it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and perfect. he grows a fucking off. great beard. He grows a great beard at the beginning. Of the <laughs> yeah, I does. was yeah. I forgot how fucking bearded Arnold is like my favorite Arnold. A little bit in Kindergarten Cop at the beginning, and the beard was was back for this. I hadn't seen it in a minute, and I rewatched it. And God, I love that. I love Arnold with the beard, guys. Hold on a second. Do we think the beard in Kindergarten Cop is real? Is it not? Because I like the last time I saw that, I was like, "That's a fake ass beard." <laughs> it, it is um it, or maybe it's just i don't know the one in running man looks real to me yeah. and i saw him like yeah you know he was he was uh he posted something on social media the, the other day going after fucking alt-right people and nazis and what have you um and he's got a beard in that I believe he's gray now, you know, he's, a, yeah. he's an old man, but, um, that looked real. But the last time I watched kindergarten cop, he's in there in his trench coat, hunting down Mr. Crisp. Uh, <laughs> he looks, uh, <laughs> which great villain name, by the way, Mr. Yeah. Crisp. Uh, but, but, uh, yeah, I thought that was, I didn't think that was real. We're not going to solve beard. that on this, on this Heat episode. Beard. I feel like there's a fake beard in the roller ball roller roller. What's that? movie chris uh chris Scott klein Con- chris klein yes oh, yeah, the, like remake, the remake of the james con movie exactly yeah. Rollerball, i have yeah. this really strong memory of there being an incredibly fake beard in that <laughs> hold on is chris klein wearing <laughs> yeah. it i want to see it i'm gonna look up yes i believe beard. he is we should I, you know, start this a, is a 20 year old memory so but if we're talking about <laughs> fake beards i'd like to put that into the mix it, it, look, it looks it looks like Ron Burgundy's fake beard whenever he he uh, <laughs> he goes off and is fired from from Anchorman and Anchorman. Yeah, none of these photos have him with the. Again, this is my well, that, that's where the mo- I'll be the first to admit it, but yeah, but I also that's where the money is. They're gonna make you buy that on Blu-ray in order to see that. They're not gonna put it out there for free. Here, I'll add yeah. beard to the search terms. <laughs> Riveting. <laughs> That didn't podcast. That didn't help. Yeah. Um, yeah. If no, someone, maybe, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but yeah. No, I mean, I'm guessing it's like a flashback or an intro or something, and then for the rest of the movie, like once he gets inducted into the rollerball league, he probably shaves it. That's that's what I'm thinking here. Mm. Anyway, if someone out there can uh, send us on Twitter a picture of Chris Klein rocking a beard in rollerball. I would very much uh, like to see that, please. Thank you. Mm. Um, well, let's start. Let's start here. This is a big Arnold Schwarzenegger at the height of his powers. Uh, 80s action movie. Uh, mm. what, what is y'all's take on Arnold in general? I mean, as an actor, big fan. Yeah. Love. Big Love. fan. <laughs> as a yeah. person, not I mean, so much. 
Was that the implication? No, not not the implication. Just, I mean, just uh, I'm more familiar with him as an actor, mm. obviously, as we all are. But uh, sure, you know, he uh, he I, I, I don't just, I think he's just he's such a, he's such part a... of our childhood, right? Like it's he's right. like yeah, it's and I don't know if there's anybody that does that does what he does in terms of the big action like performances are always like a little a little kind of stilted and campy but you still really care and the one-liners are like always fucking silly but also you can't wait for the next one there's just right i don't know he's he's kind of he's kind of a weird prototype of a human that there's no other there's no there's no equivalent he was he was uniquely suited to be like the mascot of machismo in in the eighties, right? Oh, it's like he he is obvi- obviously he's got the Adonis body, and he was able to back it up with such charm and personality that even when he maybe his acting skills weren't quite up to snuff, uh, it, it didn't matter because he was carried by a sheer force of personality, which I think is the reason yeah. why, like for so long, there I've lived through no less than two or three people that are like, Oh, this is the, this is the guy that's going to be the next generation's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And the only person that has come close to achieving that is the rock. Um, and even him, it took him like 15 years after he was supposed to be the guy to do it before he finally kind of got that cultural status that Arnold had. Cause I mean, I don't think people quite understand just how, obsessed like the youth were with Arnold yes. like, at least uh, me and my friends like I Same. Termin- Terminator 2 was like it might as well have been like the best film that's ever been made yeah. for that generation when when you're 10 years old you know I, it's, like, it's one of my top fives like I yeah. think it's one of the best films ever made like period I like that right. that movie is just I, I don't yeah. mean is, we it, talk as far about as sequels it. go like it, yeah. it's such a oh, touchdown yeah. for us we talk about it like as as much or more than maybe I I feel like that and Aliens are our two mm. biggest touchstone movies, right? Yeah, Aliens is up. I don't like a movie that takes that 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 level of swing just on a technical level and right. still still manages to. I mean, I I it's one that I rewatch multiple times a year, and I'm just I'm always just absolutely marvelled by how how it still manages to work it's it's truly a masterpiece arnold schwarzenegger also has that weird weird's not the right word but like very special thing where he can be he can you know it's like the zingers i feel like he owns them more than anybody probably in movie history Mm. (laughs) i I mean who who's better like who who does zingers better than schwarzenegger because he what he can do that i i think is so special is it's he's kind of winking at the camera a lot but it's never it never takes you out of the movie and it's often the right. most memorable part. Right. And the cheesier it is, like the more you like it for some reason, like yes. the whole, yes. uh, you totally. groan at it, but you love it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, I, I think of like uh, stick around whenever he throws the knife and impales the dude in, uh, in predator where, where the, like <laughs> running man and commando are like the top Schwarzenegger pun. Uh, movies where it's just every fucking scene there's a ridiculous pun yeah <laughs> yeah remember when i told you i would kill you last i lied you know it's like uh, let off some steam bennett 
It's, um, yeah, it's like, but but like, Predator is like doesn't really have a crazy amount of puns. But then there's that one thing where it's like we're gonna give you an '80s action movie in one scene, you know, as they blow up that village and mm-hmm. that they and uh, and in that one he has like three of them. It's like he fits in like a movie's worth of puns in one one scene. That's so they, good. It's funny we're talking about this so because, um, like, I'm a believer in the Arnold Zinger, obviously. Yeah. You know, I grew up in the 80s. Of course I am. Um, And they're usually very, you know, uh, the typical Arnold Zinger is less than 10 words long, I would say. (laughs) Right. Uh, It's very it's very simple. It usually hinges on a pun. Mm -hmm. Um, This movie has a couple of those, but then (laughs) it has the all time clunkiest Arnold (laughs) Zinger. And um, before we were even talking about this, I had it pulled up in a tab (laughs) and it's the part where (laughs) it's the part where, well, I remember because when um, we rewatched over the weekend, uh, like this just killed me. Like it's I've seen this movie a bazillion times, but for whatever reason on this watch, I just I I was cackling at this like. you get a couple of good zingers. And then there's the scene where, uh, you know, the the contract comes up with Killian and mm. and Richard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I'll tell you what I think of it. I'll live to see you eat that contract, but I hope you leave enough room for my fist because I'm going to ram it in your stomach <laughs> and break a goddamn spine. <laughs> and you're like, okay. Um, we can probably shake yeah, like that down a, a little monologue. bit. Like a couple <laughs> yes. words shy of actually being a monologue. Yeah, that, that's no his shit. Indianapolis speech in the movie. Yeah, they were like, "Well, we got to get a con- we got to get a pun going on the contract. What do you got?" And some guy was like, "Well, it's complicated, but I think it just might work." It's it's so like it, it somehow like turns in on itself halfway through. It's just like. It's the most ridiculous thing, but he fucking sells it, man. Like he was. I love. Isn't there? Isn't one of the zingers? I feel like there's one too that's actually off camera. It's the he had to. There's a lot off camera. Split. Oh, he and, and you just know yes. that you just know that like I, they're in post on it, and they're like, "Fuck, it's been 11 minutes. We need another zinger. Like, let's <laughs> let's toss Arnold in the ADR booth and just just get a volley that we can cut in." <laughs> Am I crazy or did he, was it like when he's leaving like at least two, maybe three of the, you know, the, the, kills. the rounds essentially. Yeah. It's like yeah. that last shot of him running off. You just hear like an ADR zinger. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, this is missing something. Yes, we do have a fat guy singing opera in a Christmas light. What suit. a choice. But there's, but there's dynamo. Put some fucking respect on it. <laughs> but there's some there's something missing. We can't, like what is missing? Oh, it's gonna be a, an awkward uh, one liner as Schwarzenegger is <laughs> running away in the distance, and we'll we'll have him record it. And he's not even out of breath as he's as he's running off doing it. Yeah, it's, it, it's like it's such an important ingredient to the tone, though. You think about like how the the movies are always and for as dark and and scary and you know prophetic as Running Man is, it also those zingers sort of remind you to not take it too seriously. And I would be lying if, if I said that we weren't like very much have, have ripped that off. I mean, the, the fucking last line of ready or not is in-laws. It's a full on, like it's a full on Arnold Arnold zinger. And I think that there's like, there's just something so fun about 
how and, and he does it specifically well where he's able to kind of remind the audience that you're in for a, a good time and that's sort of the most important thing at the end of the day mm-hmm. <laughs> Just be, right. you're, you're, be entertained Ah, uh, yeah, it's mid-roll time, and of course, our favorite, Lumi Labs, is back as the sponsor for this mid-roll read. That means we get to talk about microdosing again, babies. You know you know it, you love it. At this point, you don't need me to tell you what it is, but I'm going to tell you anyway. That is microdosing. That's where you take a little bit of THC. In this case, in Lumi's case, it's a synthetic THC strain, and you take a little bit throughout the day, so you are not tripping balls, but you are just comfortable. You're relaxed. I use them uh, not quite in the microdosing sense. I use them more uh, as a relaxer before I go to bed. It helps me with my totally screwed up sleep schedule and my inability to fall asleep at decent human hours. I I love these things. I I popped a couple last night before going to bed. And the great thing about Lumi gummies is they use a synthetic THC strain, which means they can be delivered to your front door no matter where you live or what your state's marijuana laws are. And they work. They relax you. They are great. I highly recommend them. I've been using them ever since they became a sponsor. And uh, and should the sad day ever come where Lumi decides they don't want to sponsor us anymore, well, I'll still be a customer because I like them that much. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com. And if you like what you see, you can use the code KINGCAST to save 30% off your first order and get free shipping. Again, that's microdose.com, code KINGCAST. Very well done, Eric. Now, with all of that said, let's go back to the show. You mentioned how prophetic this movie is. Mm. And this sort of brings us around to the 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 angle I kind of wanted to take a crack at on this. And I think it's it's something I'm sure we've mentioned or at least glanced at in previous episodes that we've done on The Running Man. But um on this, uh, just on this last rewatch I did, I was really um, taken in by the amount of like what amounts to deep fake technology. Yes, that is used in this movie, hmm. I wrote and that in my notes. I was like, yep. "This is deep fake." Yes, it's yep. fucking wild, like wild. And and so, just as a starting point, what do y'all make of all that? Like in literal deep... or in real life. No, in real life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's terrifying and yeah, probably terrifying. awful. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of what the yeah. good version of it, like what is a, just to play devil's advocate, what is a proposed positive outcome of deep fakes? Well, we have talked about, I mean, we've talked about just on a filmmaking level, how that technology is going to allow for, um, for, you know, better more photorealistic action sequences right if you're having to replace performance with a stunt double right putting you know putting an actor's face on on a stunt person is is something that you know is a it is an incredibly valuable tool we're working on something now that we will likely utilize some form of this technology on because one of the performers is a is a young is a young child and you can obviously only do so much brutal right. crazy action with a with an actual minor um we're doing a baby but, action movie oh, perfect. <laughs> look who's talking baby stay out look who, yeah look who's talking <laughs> yeah exactly boss baby die hard 
um so so i think that there's like but like with anything with anything that has like something sort of beautiful and altruistic designed into it human will fuck it up like we'll immediately fuck it up oh yeah it'll it'll be used for evil far more than it'll be used for good no i mean i I think on a storytelling level it's an incredible tool um and that's great but like the the reality level is we are still uh, in a an uncanny valley era with the uh, what's available wide widely to people to do right uh, so we can still sometimes most times tell but we're very closely approaching the moment where you know we can see joe biden give a speech and you know have it be you know nazi propaganda or something and we won't know we won't know uh that it's fake uh, on the surface, you know what I mean. It's like yeah, the, it the, it's the it's not so much the face stuff; it's the voice stuff that's yeah. pairing with it now. That is to me the real like oh shit, we need to really well, figure out how to uh, you know stop this from being like a leader in misinformation. Yeah, like and, regulate it. Yeah. Did you guys see that Kendrick Lamar thing going around? Like the vo- the fake voice, and I think there was an Eminem Cats one that was actually pretty hilarious. Uh-huh. But it's like this voice, yeah, it's that voice generator thing. And I saw some one where he was, somebody was just like making up, you know, a fake Kendrick Lamar song. And it was, it's, it was, it was unsettling. Cause you're like, this is right. like, this, and you know, it's, I feel like we're, we've entered this, you know, not to get controversial, controversial, but like we've entered this uh, era of karaoke in a lot of ways you know and i mean right. i i know we just mm-hmm. were making scream six like it's but it's like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, you know and maybe that's a karaoke like, movie <laughs> you no know, and maybe that's part of it though it's like everything yeah. now is like you know very much it's not i i feel like it used to be much more like i'm you know we're inspired by and grow on and now things seem to be you know tiktok is obviously a great example of this but like right. it's just imitation, it's an, it's just imitation in a weird way yeah, yeah and yeah I think one of the things I worry about in the future is if you hope, hopefully there's still people that are like, well, fuck all of that. I need to have my own voice. Like I need to find my own voice. Cause at a certain point you'll just run out of creative people and create and, and like an artist. If everybody is just, if we go down this deep fake thing and you're like, well, we're literally just trying to recreate like a Tom Cruise doing something funny. You know what right. I mean? Well, Not it's to the say same, that you can't have fun with it, but still. It's yeah. the same thing as, you know, um, the AI art stuff that's going on. Yeah. You know, I have, yeah. uh, yep. you know, I'm an art collector. I have a lot of, like, artist friends as a result of this. And most of them are like, absolutely fuck this. But I do know a couple of guys that are like, no, this is like a tool that I could use in my, in my toolbox. You know, um, Rob Sheridan is a great example of this. Rob is the, he's a friend of mine. He's the uh, former art director for nine inch nails. And uh, he is a rabble rouser on, on Twitter and has been experimenting with AI artwork a lot. I tend to like a lot of the stuff he does, although I'm very skeptical and suspicious of the practice itself, but he seems to me like a guy who's using it, in the way it was intended. He's not aping anyone's art style other than himself, you know? So he's not taking right. like the voice of another artist or the, the technique of another right. artist. And also 
uh, a real fun byproduct of this is that um, he has he has inadvertently used it on multiple occasions to uh, get Republicans very mad. Um, like, well, like fun. he, he fucking, he, a few weeks ago, he was like this year's New York fashion event. Uh, the theme was like Satan. And so he had like all these, uh, images of like models walking the runway, but they look like they're out of Hellraiser, basically, you know? And, and when I say that, I mean like legit, like Cenobites, like missing like body Cenobites. parts. Yeah, oh, great. Yeah, like, like, like <laughs> oh, you would shit, look I at think them. I saw that. I think I, and I was so funny, and I was like, "Oh, this is a choice." I love. Yeah, it, it went all over the place. I, if I remember correctly, like Fox News picked it up and was just like, "This is deplorable." Like, how could how are you know? This is just another example of you know the the left adopting satanic policies and it's like it's not real you motherfuckers like look use your eyeballs and look at it that woman is missing a face like how do you think they did that it's not even fashion week right now you idiots um the greatest sin that they committed there so i appreciate what rob's doing but in general what i see is like people that are you know uh, generating images in the style of and targeting certain artists and if i were one of those artists i'd be fucking furious yeah, like, yeah, it's that's so your unfortunate. Voice. I think, yeah, and this is another example of oddly the thing we were talking about earlier that there are there are people that will use because I because I don't think any we're certainly don't want to stand in the way of, of of progress, but I feel like the majority of people aren't aren't going to use it that way, right? It's no, it's, that aren't, they aren't going to use no. it as a means of creating something new and original and, and blazing trail with it. Unfortunately, it'll be, it'll be about imitation. It'll be about the quickest you're getting clicks and likes and all of that, all of that shit stirring up controversy and not actually, you know, creating anything new and original. You know what the, the test of that is, is, you know, like when a, a new tech, a new piece of technology, like, you know, deep fakes or AI comes along, you know, uh, the the sort of the I, I think the dividing line of whether or not it's a thing that will go the distance is are people using it immediately to generate pornography? Because that's <laughs> right. what the that's what the Internet does. You know, like something yeah. will come. Oh, oh we yeah. got to figure out how to use this for porn. And sure enough, like that's what happened with deep fakes almost immediately people slapping actresses faces on other actresses bodies and oh, and what God, have it's you just such a rabbit hole of problems it's right yeah, yeah. and how would you such even a tangle how could you regulate it at this point you know i, I, I just I watching 60 minutes last night and there was a, a bit about the the chat gpt stuff and you know the 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 bing bing search engine and you know the the sydney of it all and the president of of Microsoft just straight up was like, we need to, this needs to be regulated. Right. And Leslie Stahl was like, wait, you were actually calling for some form of government regulation. And he was like, yes, this is, it is doing <laughs> things that even we didn't plan, didn't plan on it doing. And we, I mean, it has, we have to have a conversation about how to regulate this stuff. I don't want to make this all about Arnold Schwarzenegger, but this is just Skynet. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just <laughs> Really? Oh God! By the way, the that was the other thing outside of just the deep fake of it all. Given the the sort of where we're at with the, you know, the the manipulation of and the cherry picking of the January six, right? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. footage 
that was another thing that I was thinking watching, watching, rewatching the movie. I was like, wow, Very true. there is something that we have seen that, that millions of people have seen with their own eyes. And they're still manipulating that. And they're manipulating yeah. it successfully for, for a lot yeah. of people, right? There, there, there are a whole bunch of people that, are, that fully believe that point of view. That is absolutely chilling. Mm. And it's amazing that this movie was that far was that far ahead of that conversation. Yeah, yeah. This movie in particular, like the that a uh, uh, you know uh, mid to late eighties Arnold Schwarzenegger would be action blockbuster based on a, a Richard Bachman slash Stephen King novel of all fucking things mm-hmm. would be as prescient as it is is absolutely bananas. Yeah. You know, there's so many other movies in the 80s where you might point at them and say, like, you know, I bet that's a warning of things to come. Now, it was The Running Man. The Running Man knew it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It, it's but, very odd. And to, to your point that, that there's it's also been right on in the entertainment value of of yes. uh, politics and, and the world uh, at large. Two, it goes a step further than where we we're at now. I mean, the whole point where you know he's talking about the president's, uh, uh, you know, agent or agent, whatever, yeah. you know, which is hilarious. But motherfucker, we just had a reality star as, as well, president. The Justice you Department's know? entertainment division, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's so we're we're not that far removed from it. And it, it and to Scott's point, that's really fucked up because this is the goofy dumb movie right that that i grew up loving right this shouldn't be the one that's actually dictating where where i live right now and uh uh and it just keeps day by day getting closer and closer to the point where you know when we've covered this topic you know every time we ask the guests the guests about like do you think the running man as a show uh would be successful the answer has to always be of course it would be if they did the running man as is now complete with killing motherfuckers, you know, in, in inventive ways, it would be one of the highest rated shows on, on whatever fucking network on streaming or whatever. Paper, yeah. Pay-per-view. It would, it, it would be massive. It'd be massive. Um, yeah. You know, just I had to figure out a you. way. Oh, go for it. I'd forgotten. Like the, the contestant participation was a thing that I'd forgotten about in the movie yeah. too, that, that you're rewarded. You're given gifts you know if you choose if you choose a stalker and they like it's it's really it's really well thought out like it's 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 you know you so easily could have just made the superficial version of this movie you drop Mm -hmm. them in and they're on the run and a bunch of you know they sort of just plays by video game logic and but the fact that this movie actually takes pains to to cut outside to the people placing bets to cut to the contestants and how excited they are to actually participate in in the carnage like it's a it's a really the number of perspectives that this movie explores was I was very surprised. I was very surprised by it because my kind of recollection of this movie was the, 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 the more kind of superficial, superficial right. mm-hmm. version. And um, I was really pleasantly surprised by how deep, how deep and thoughtful that is. Yeah. Indeed. Do y'all have a, a favorite stalker in this movie? Mm. Oh, I mean, I think it's hard to beat, uh, you know, um, you know, opera, opera. What's Dynamo? Dynamo. Dynamo. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just the outfit and the looking laser arms and like. Yeah, I don't know. He gets kind of rapey though. You know, it's like. 
Well, not that you're gonna support what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're, this isn't a moral test. Uh, I was gonna yeah. say, Kat, you know, Sub Zero, you know, wasn't trying to, you know, make moves on Maria Conchita Alonso. So Sub Zero, his whole deal is so impractical. Like, <laughs> so I mean, ridiculous. It's yeah, so if you silly. if you can find like say an iron bar, like there's shit all over the place in the Running Man Arena or whatever yeah. the you know the the area that they set up for them to like travel through. I think they say yeah. it takes three hours and there's like however many quadrants to it or whatever. But like, um, there's stuff all over the place. They can there's you know you could conceivably make a, a makeshift weapon. Yeah. Uh, Sub Zero, dude. I'm just uh, find a piece of rebar, throw it down in front of him while he's skating toward you. Boom, dust. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's a great aesthetic. I'm just not sure how. Uh, I'm not sure how concerned I would be about. He's it. got explosive hockey pucks, though. I mean, no, that's true. You know, I don't know. No, Sub Zero wouldn't be my favorite either. I was just trying to make a joke. I did like the, the when Jesse Ventura is up there talking to the. To you know Richard Dawson, and it's like yeah. almost becomes Naked Gun for a second with like the arms, and he's like pointing at him, and then the arm goes down. He's like, I got the other, you know, it's like, and he doesn't want yeah. to do it and all that kind of stuff. And you're just like, the the it, the Jesse Ventura character feels very like the most um, thought out in a weird way, right? Captain mm-hmm. Freedom, yep. Captain Freedom. <laughs> he's got his own workout video, and uh, yeah, no. It, he has such a great thing too, where it's like, oh, it's building up to be a head head to head with Captain Freedom, like the ultimate stalker, and uh, <laughs> I, you know, it, and then it just never pans out. Like I, I love that. I also, I don't know. There's so much to this movie that I, uh, that I've really grown to appreciate over the years. We talk about how you know the satire of it is you know up there near like Beethoven levels and yeah. uh it's a little bit more b movie ish than that which allows it to have even more fun than something like a robocop it's a, it's a wholly unique thing and by the way is so wildly divergent from the bachman novel that it's almost its own new invention you know the the schwarzeneggerification of this you know um uh, so the I don't novel, know. It's probably... like a person just goes free everywhere. Is that right? I've never read it. It's that's yeah. The... They just let him. They like and he, people they, kill like him. they put him in a cab or something in New York, and then they just let him go where as far from the studio as as they can. And uh, they have that element you talked about the audience participation uh, thing where they make it a like a game show here. Uh, in the movie where, you know, they're giving away home home versions, the home game of, of the running man, right. much like they would do with double dare and shit when I was a kid. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, in the book, it was more of like, hey, this world that's all around us is next door to dystopian. Right. It is on the brink of collapse. Everybody's poor. Everybody's desperate. Uh, and so the thing that's keeping them entertained is what's distracting them from like rising up. Right. Um, yeah. And that's the running man. And they actually actively involve them because if you call in with a tip, if you s- see one of the running man uh, contestants, you call in with a tip. And if it's like verified, you get money, you get medicine, you get food. Right. And uh, uh, you know, and it's such a fascinating thing, which is why I'm, I'm like dying to find out, what the hell uh, Edgar Wright's remake of this is going to look like because 
Like, I, I just don't know. Like we, with Scott and I, we've talked about this a couple of times where I think Scott, you lean more towards, it's going to be a little bit more like the, uh, the I think 80s it's gonna be, movie. I think it's going to be right up the middle between yeah. the novel and the previous movie. Mm. I think like, I think it's there a will crazy be crazy challenge. I, yeah. I don't know how, because this movie is so prophetic, like we're, we're living, we're in a, the, the, a version of this, living a version of it right now. I, I'm so curious right. what his take's going to be. Yeah, big same. Um, because I can see a super serious dour version of it based more on the Bachman book. Is there's, Edgar, you know, but yeah, that, that also, again, not an Edgar sensibility. So, you know, but I could also see that like, why would you want to, you know, I don't know, make the jokey version when this one's already been done so well. So there, there's got to be, you know, it, you're right. It's a challenge. I have no idea. I honestly don't know what to expect. You know, if it was any other director, like Paul Greengrass was doing this, you know, I'd be <laughs> like, I know it's going to be more like the Bachman version. It's going to be, you know, commentary on society and our, you know, our uh, complicity as viewers mm-hmm. to, to violence and shit, you know, uh, but I don't know. Not saying that Edgar can't be deep with his, his, uh, material like he thinks everything out so thoroughly and characters are you know even if they're comedic and wacky they're they have a basis in reality a groundedness to them even in something like scott pilgrim but like you're right like i just don't know if he you know that would be his interest is is to be like super uh the serious take on on this material if uh what was their budget do you have a sense of like where this movie kind of stacked up against against other movies of the genre back in the day. Cause I, you'd mentioned that it has this kind of campy B movie feel, but I was also, I was also blown away by how well made it, it was like it, uh-huh. you know, it's for, for a movie that felt like it could have very easily deployed more kind of cheap VFX. Sure. Sure. Like the, the sled sequence. I was, Oh, dude, I was every like time riveted watching. <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, it is like a fucking marvel of filmmaking that that little chunk. And mm. and by the way, throughout, like the sets are incredible. The practical effects are incredible. I mean, I, and it, it never feels like that, you know, the number of extras they have. I mean, it feels like it feels like a big movie with a kind of campy heart. And I, I'm mm-hmm. curious mm-hmm. how it. If well, you guys know where what like, was, it stacks up scale wise. What was your, just out of curiosity? What was your budget on Scream Six? Thirty five. Scream Six, yeah, thirty five. Okay, The Running Man was made for twenty seven million dollars. Jesus wow. Christ! In nineteen eighty six, nineteen eighty seven. To put that in the perspective, wow. Predator was eighteen million. So, what was eighteen mm. million? Predator. God, I thought you said glitter, and what? I was really oh, excited yeah. that we were yeah. going to talk about <laughs> glitter. But Christ, that's wild to think yeah. about now. Yeah, wow. Re- budgets are out of control, dude. Not not <laughs> Scream 6, you had a good budget. But like, <laughs> you know, $100 million, $200 million movies left and right. Like, I don't know. We pulled all this shit off with even even adjusting for inflation. You know, we were pulling shit off with lesser technology at the time that Stands mm-hmm. the test of time for for a lot less. Why it's those a weird, movies are great. Yeah, it's a weird weird thing to realize. And also to finish off your question, it made thirty eight million at the box office, so it wasn't a huge hit. I think this is one that kind of, I think it found its audience probably on home video. You know, I can't really speculate as to why people weren't showing up for a new Schwarzenegger 
especially with this premise. I mean, it just looks yeah. wild as fuck. Uh, well, but I still so think marketable. That, it's such yeah. a hook. This is also in the days before like hundred million dollar uh, box office receipts were common, though. You know what I mean? So it, it took Star Wars or ET or you know or something yeah. like that to, Jaws, to hit those yeah, totally hit those things. Yeah. So, but you know, also just to put that into perspective, I think they paid Schwarzenegger something like. 35 or 50 million dollars to come back for one of the later terminator movies you know and so he could have made you could have made one and a half running mans for what they paid schwarzenegger just to show up in, in one of the later terminators Jesus. holy shit now you guys remember the video game the arcade game that fuck, i can't remember what it was called it probably came out around the same time that was a full-on running man style game felt like you were in a reality wasn't, wasn't there a video yeah. game Oh my fucking god! Was, was uh, it the Smash TV? Or was it like Smash yeah. TV? Smash TV. Oh, Smash yeah. TV. That's what it was yeah. Called. yeah. I never. Do you know if I that's like think... a, a direct translation of the movie. Like, was mm. that a? No, I think it's a fucking naked ripoff of the movie. <laughs> um, but I, I that was on uh, it was on Nintendo back in the day, I think, or maybe Smash it was Genesis. TV. Um, I, I, never, I played it at the arcade. I, that was one that I like. Yeah, I that's. I remember the arcade. The I never encountered it in an in an arcade. In fact, I don't really. I mean, I would remember if I had. Uh, I just don't think I did. The my main memory of playing arcade games when I was a kid was there was like a hole in the wall like pizza place uh, near the house where I grew up, and they had the uh, arcade cabinet for the original Rampage. And I remember playing that at like six years, six, seven years old, like very, very young, like had to sit in a stool to play it or whatever. And just enchanted by this thing that was just all out destruction with monsters in it. And um, then like years later, it came to whatever console I had at the time. And I was just like, I was so fucking hyped. And then it wasn't nearly as good. They changed the way it looked. It didn't. It didn't work as well. They lost one of the monsters in the process, which felt like a betrayal from the Nintendo Corporation. <laughs> yeah, I never played Hashtag Smash not TV, my though. rampage. Not my rampage. Same goes for the movie. I'll say that. <laughs> so Can you imagine uh, Schwarzenegger in in the uh, the rampage movie instead of The Rock? I'll t- look, I, mean, I like The Rock, um, but I think that. I think he has micromanaged his own image to a degree that mm. now he's not as fun to watch anymore because it's all very predictable. That's my right. that's my take on The Rock. I think he 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 seems like uh, kind of a good guy. You know, I think all that shit that happened with the fucking with Black Adam was uh, Oof, he came yeah. off not looking great uh, over the course yeah. of that. But um yeah. You know, he can bounce back. I just I just think that, like, something I think about a, a lot is The Rock in, uh, what's that fucking movie? The one, uh, uh, Runaway? Uh, no, the... the Southland Tales? Yes. Like, yeah. can you imagine The Rock doing Southland Tales today? Like, no. absolutely yeah. fucking not. Yeah. There's not even a chance for him to wear a khaki shirt in that. <laughs> you <laughs> know? Anyway... <laughs> Like he, <clears throat> I wish that he would play like a villain, like a crazy, you know, he, he needs to do 
some form of a Terminator, I, I think. I, I would love to see him. I think the closest he's come to that, honestly, is uh, Pain and Gain, which I think is his best performance. I think it's Michael Bay's best movie of the past however many years. Um, The scene of him (laughs) disposing of the body by grilling the hands and (laughs) flipping them with the fucking tongs (laughs) kills me every time. Uh, Like, what on earth is going in your head that you would be flipping on them like a burger? It's so goddamn (laughs) funny. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, I, I will say The Rock gained a lot of brownie points for me on how he handled the uh, the vaccine discussion because that actually took a lot of balls for, for him because so many of his followers and his most ardent fans are very much in the right wing column, you know, pro-military, you mm. know, a- anti-Democrat whatever. So when he came out and not only did he support the vaccine and I think he's one of the rare people that actually probably saved lives doing that. Right. Everybody else is preaching to the choir, uh, in, or they wouldn't be listened to, uh, by the base. But I think the rock actually had sway with people and might've, you know, convinced some folks. Yeah, I that, can see that, that being the real. case. What did he say? Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember what the, what the, uh, he, well, he got, he got COVID and he was very, he made videos while he was recovering going, this is real. Like, listen, like big, strong me, this, this put me, you know, in a corner, like nothing I've ever experienced. This is real. Um, get the vaccine. It's going to save your life. It'll save everybody's lives. Don't listen to politics or whatever. It's like, you know, just look at the science, whatever, which it, it's sad that that's a revolutionary thing for somebody who has yeah. a right wing audience <laughs> to say. But, um, you know, but he does. He has a very high like military. And don't forget, this is the dude that fucking accidentally spoiled that uh, <laughs> yes, Bin Laden yes. was murdered. You know, it's like, you know, he <laughs> spoiled it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. God damn it. This. Oh, I, I wish I, had. I forgot about that. I wish I had been on Funny, I had Twitter that night. A quote retweet with just spoilers Spoil- would have been killer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you, know, you so- guys are uh, newsroom fans, but there's a great newsroom moment about that. Oh, really? No, I didn't yes. see that. that. That addresses it. It's, it's, it's funny. I don't Wait, know which moment. Intentionally it's hilarious, not- but it's definitely hilarious. Oh, okay. Intentionally. The, 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 him spoiling it. Oh, the, the first thing show. I thought of was them announcing to the airplane that, oh my that God. Thing, oh my which God. is like one of the few clips I've seen from the newsroom. And I'm, I don't know. Oh, I'm just not motivated to check that out. So you got to watch it from the, <laughs> yeah, this is not a newsroom. We will do that on the newsroom podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the, the newsroom cast. Um, so if, if let's say, uh, who, who is your all's biggest, uh, if you could get an executive producer on one of your movies, like a legendary hmm. filmmaker or somebody with, you know, uh, the biggest reach possible, who would it be? Oh, man. Calls you into his office. Who is, or her office? Like, who is this person? Oh, geez. I mean, Robert I immediately. Robert <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Okay, let's say it's Steven Spielberg, just for the sake of discussion. All right. I mean, I was literally about to say, I feel like we'd both, if we're being honest, say Steven Spielberg. 
Okay. Spielberg, right? Kate Cameron. I mean, I mean all we talked about yeah. aliens. Like, I feel yeah. it, it feels crazy because we all know Cameron's not doing anything but making Avatar movies for the rest of his life. But let's yeah. let's, <laughs> let's go Cameron here because I think he fits better into the the imaginary hypothetical that I'm about to pitch. But let's say you get an email later today from Jim Cameron, who's like, "I need to see you in my office at 10 a.m. tomorrow." You have no idea what it's about. You show up, James Cameron puts a gun to your head and he says, <laughs> I don't know why he's doing that, but he's doing it I, to, I'm in. No, just, this is very okay. exciting. All of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> great after, great, great get aroused. Um, and, and he's like, listen, I need a pitch on a new running man. How are you going to do it? Like what is putting you on the spot? How, how would you tackle the running man? If you were making it today, Oh, this, man. Is this is Jimmy Cameron asking now, not me. He's got a gun, too, so it's very threatening. This is a serious situation. Yeah, this, this is a very a, serious wow. situation. This is very serious. It's life and starting death. to sound like you, you guys are going to get your brain splattered against the wall. I here. know. Holy I shit. It's clear to I me like that neither said... one of you prepared for the questions that I didn't tell you I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there'd be something fun, and this is. I feel like this is kind of a bit of just in the DNA of the things that we love to make, but to tell the story of a character that kind of ends up in the, in the situation, that's like an innocent bystander that ends up, that ends up pulled in into the world of, of running man. Like, you know, one of those, one of those people who, you, you know, you see kind of throwing cans and bottles at him when they first enter the arena. Mm. One of those people gets like pushed over the rail falls into the <laughs> falls into right. the into the court and uh and has to has to participate. We we just love those like you know, your day starts off I like that. one way and ends a totally different way right. kind of kind of story. So I mean, that, could even would just that be your lead, lead character, you think, in this scenario? It's like totally. if the story you, was the was Amber. Like this was a Yeah. Right. <laughs> or like if well, Arnold got killed right away, you know, you, you fall in and you're oh, like that's great. running behind behind the guy that you think is the is the, the titular character, you know, the lead, and then that person gets killed right away and you're like, Oh fuck, well now. Oh, I no. love this. So you advertise <laughs> the new running man. Channing Tatum is headlining. Within fifteen <laughs> minutes his brains are exploded all over the floor and some schlub has been thrown into the arena <laughs> and takes up the mantle. Holy shit. I don't think the marketing department would let you keep that a secret, but I <laughs> good lord would I love to Josh Gad is the like running that. man. Hey, yeah. what do you what do you what do you guys make of that? You make you make movies that, you know, Scream obviously has some mystery to it. Um it's got things you want to keep from the audience, you know, you got to step lightly with the marketing. We uh we recently talked to uh Scott Beck and Brian Woods we just did 65 and I was asking them Love like, was there not, was there a scenario here where you didn't reveal that it was earth like up front? Like maybe that's something for people to just dis like discover in the theater. It, it, it kind of reminded me of like when uh, that pet cemetery remake from a few years back. Mm -hmm. And the big twist of that movie was that, you know, the, the daughter became, yeah, the daughter engaged Creed like flip flopped, right? And um, they spoiled that immediately in the fucking marketing. And I'm like, man, if I had just seen that 
with my own eyeballs in the theater when it happened, it would have hit like a ton of bricks. Even though I don't think they did anything particularly imaginative with it, I would have been excited in that moment. Um, how much control do you guys have over over marketing? And and have you ever um, have you ever like you know had to go to you know kind of throw your weight around a little bit about something being revealed in a trailer that you didn't want revealed? You know, we've had really, we've had a wide variety of experiences with marketing Mm -hmm. and we've had really good ones and we've had kind of not as great ones. But I think at the end of the day, they, it really, they are really siloed, at least for people at our level, like we're like, we we could throw a weight around, but nobody will care. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just a tantrum at a certain point. So, uh, you know, I, I think our kind of goal with marketing is always to be as respectful as possible and understand that they have a different goal. They have a different, they're trying to sell the movie. We're trying to make a great movie. They're trying to sell a movie. And that those are, while hopefully in overlapping, they are different jobs. And I think we found that the more mutually respectful we can be, it usually works out better. But, you know, it'd be a lie to say there's not stuff that we're like, oh my God, you can't show that. But on screen, they've been help. They've been pretty good about trying to work with us on that and trying to help us misdirect and do mm-hmm. what we can to, you know. I also think yeah, like a know, lot of VFX Tyler, work, right? Tons of VFX, VFX work. Like we, we requested a lot of VFX work to cover to cover things, to paint people out, to swap characters, just so. Oh no! Shit. Know, they're yeah, gonna use, they're going to so, use the shots that that right. they want to use. Maybe we so, can actually compromise that way. Well, you so you're saying you're going to be sued now by uh, by angry <laughs> yeah, yes, Anna exactly. Armas fans. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you have, you must have some some amount of that... you must have some amount of weight to throw around. Then, you know, if mm. you're like, nah, digitally remove that person from this shot if it's going to be in the trailer. That's you know, someone's got to do that. Someone's got to be paid to do that. You know, so like don't, don't more, undersell much more on this one. I'm just saying, don't undersell one. yourselves. My no, I think, we, <laughs> I think on this one, we had a nice experience with them. Like this, this, our experience with marketing on Scream 6 has been really, really great. And I think part of that too, is that the movie by design has a lot of stuff that is cool and big that they can show that doesn't really spoil anything. That's, mm-hmm. And that was, you know, even going, we had a call with them going into the movie on this one where they were like, let's talk about this in advance, you know, so we don't kind of get behind the eight ball down the road right. and go, we're going to get to the end. And, you know, and this is true for probably every movie. Filmmakers don't want you to show anything and marketing wants to use stuff. And there has to be some form of compromise or at least discussion, uh, right. you know, but at the end of the day, it's like they're the ones who open the movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's also like we've we've sort of figured out a way to choose and or design projects that are that are more than just their hook, knowing that marketing is always gonna exploit that hook, right? That's the it's the easiest, most shiny and tantalizing thing for them, you know, that sure. they crash land on Earth, that that Grace has to it's going to be hunted on her wedding night like those are okay. those are just like the big broad ideas that that get butts in seats but i think and this is you know what matt was saying as well that that the movie is the sum of all of its parts that it's not just that one thing and if sure. it is just that one thing 
then you've got much bigger problems than a fight <laughs> right. with your marketing <laughs> But really, that you like have to. It's then our job to like design. We're, we're the thing that we're kind of working on now. There's there's a big hook that is really fun and juicy that we know is going to be what the campaign is centered around. And so so now the work is well, great. How do you? What's next? How do you twist that? How do you how do you create another another crazy fun surprise hook that you know nobody sees coming because they're so tantalized by, you know, this, this one thing. Um, it's, and that for us is, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of fun. It kind of, again, like sets a bit of a standard that you have to, that you have to work towards in order to make something that holds up, even if you do have a few things spoiled, uh, right. you know, in, in the marketing. Um, I asked earlier about, you know, if you would immediately leap into a, like a scream another scream seven right like a, a or you'd want to do something else but it sounds like and maybe it's been announced and i somehow missed this but you're working on something new right now we are <laughs> it doesn't sound like it's been announced when you, by that when, you when you say you're when you say you're working on it are you in do you have a green light i do we? I, yeah, yes. it's like a. Yeah, we're I think, casting. yeah, we're, we're in casting. casting. It's like oh, a, that's very yeah. exciting. Is this an yeah. original? Like you guys wrote it? Uh, uh, same crew. <laughs> you fucking same team. Sorry, I know this is the worst. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> our, our publicist Izzy, Izzy, our publicist who's on right now is probably frantically texting like, "You guys, shut the fuck up! Shut the fuck up!" <laughs> Izzy, I'm gonna keep asking questions. <laughs> Um, no, I know the same team. It's with the Project X guys and and, uh, yeah. and guy guy music. Yeah, very nice, very nice. So we have that to look forward to. Um, I won't ask any specific questions about it. You know, I'm not going to hold your feet to the fire. But how does it end? <laughs> Everyone explodes, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Izzy just responded. She says, "All good on my end." Um, I think I think that's a green light. To ju- to I just... stopped listening a while ago. Yeah, I think that's a green light to just break the news now on our show. Who you're casting? What it is? What it's called? What the budget is? How it ends? I have, let's post the script. Let's get this all out of the way. Beards? Um, are there any beards you... in the movie? But 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 listen, guys, we gotta we gotta sell this fucking show, okay? Um, <laughs> I got I gotta get I gotta get things for people to aggregate. Can you tell us just one little thing? about this project that maybe no one has heard yet besides the fact that it exists. Something non spoiler I'm genuinely trying to think of something. What <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger will star. Big cast, small cast. Oh, God. Big cast, of course. It's, it's another fucking Big ensemble. Cast. We can't yeah. not make ensemble movies, guys. Yeah. <laughs> what do you... Well, I'm, I'm, curious, I'm curious about that. Like, you wouldn't do a... A thing where it's just a couple of people in a house. Are you oh, are you, are you naturally drawn to know my dinner with Andres for you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it does I would sound fucking great. watch the shit out of my dinner with Andre though. Fucking love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna end like the wow. restaurant scene in fucking uh Lee Wanell's The Invisible Man. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> just throat slices and Yep. <laughs> Oh, we would well, love that. Oh, we love ensembles, though, man. We just love, we just love the collection of weird characters thrown into yeah. a situation. Like, it's so much more, it's so much easier to to keep the tone, the fun tone of something alive when you have, 
mm-hmm. when you just have a bunch of different perspectives you can right on. explore. I think it's, I think I would think it would be more fun just to have more people around too. I look at those True. like, you know, I look at a movie like ready or not or glass onion mm. or something like that. And I'm just like, these folks must've had the best time shooting. These yeah. Things. Like this just They're looks so like a blast. They really are. It's like, and you, you like, and you know, because especially the cast, they have so much time, like just sitting around together, waiting for us to be ready for things. And <laughs> you just watch them all become really good friends. It happened on ready or not. It happened on both screens. It's really, it's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. It's an awesome byproduct of a, of a system that isn't always pleasant. I, I, I <laughs> yeah. We've gotten really lucky. We've had like good experiences. So it's, you know, Knock on wood. But technically very hard. There's a sequence in Scream that was so many setups that we cycled the alphabet three times. And a lot of that is just because of the number of characters that you have to, you have to service. You have to shoot, you know, you have to shoot multiple sizes on, on everybody. And yeah. So three, three times around the alphabet for old scene 87 (laughs) D. Nice. (laughs) Okay. One last question about your secret project that you don't want to talk about. Um, what genre is it? It's horror. Action horror. Yeah, yeah. it's like an action horror. Love mm. it. Love it. Very excited. <laughs> so, Zespi, do you have any further questions about The Running Man for our, our guests? Oh my god, The Running Man. I was gonna like say if you need oh, uh, a, we were talking about that. If you if you need some voices on a radio, if they're somebody listening to a podcast, <laughs> we we very much we volunteer the King cast to be to be in the show or in we'll the movie. Thank you up on it. They're not yeah, actually yeah. doing the Be running. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about for their, their mystery project. I was going back back there. You're trying to uh, change topics. Yeah, 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 So I'm I'm going to make this ask for every guest that's uh, actively working that I can possibly <laughs> do this. We had uh, the Yellow Jackets uh, showrunners on, and they were talking about, uh, and they're like, like hardcore listeners to the show. They're like big fans of the show, which is always blows my mind when I hear it. Cause it's just us being nerds about Stephen King. Uh, but yeah, they're they just like, objectively better than us in every way. I want to be <laughs> clear on that. Uh, and, and I, I made, I made some sort of joke about a cameo in the second season. They're like, well, you know, Christina Ricci's character like listens obsessively to like genre podcasts. So it's like, we can throw in a thing there. And I don't think they did. Don't, I, I don't imagine no. that's popping up there, but, uh, but the, the dream was real. So I'm going to, keep asking until somebody actually takes us up on it (laughs) well i i feel like i you know i was can't promise anything but i know (laughs) we have so many of like our friends things and podcasts we love like there's a scene in scream that has a last podcast on the left no dogs in space we hate movies ice nine kills like we just have our friends like bands podcasts whatever or just stuff that we like and really like love and respect we've we try to get, we have dead meat in both screens now in some way. Nice. Uh, Tim Robinson so, has a voice cameo. In Tim Robinson. Day. That's Whoa, right. Really? <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's breaking news here, right? We haven't told anybody. Breaking that. news. There you <laughs> this, go. There's, yeah, there's unfortunately, this is going to air after it comes out. So I'm sure somebody's <laughs> going to figure that out. But if they haven't, that's our news. <laughs> can you, uh, can you say where it is? Cause this is airing next Wednesday or do you want to leave it for? No, no, we can say it. where it is. It's the, it's uh, Liana's, boyfriend uh it's an off camera yeah it's a it's just an off camera voice it's an off camera the off camera voice of a boyfriend is he credited 
He's in the thank yous. He's in the special thing. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. but he's not credited. So unless yeah. you blab to somebody else, we might actually be able to hold yeah, on to we that. We haven't blabbed, so. All right. Now we need to not blab to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a long way of saying in this next one, if there's like a radio thing, King Cast is going to be on it. keep your phones on guys don't turn your ringers off (laughs) very well yeah we'll we'll call you yeah i I, I hear you but no um uh, in terms of running man no i don't think i think we've covered all the 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 basic stuff uh unless you want to go over our well-worn uh, would you watch it if it was real? Yeah, uh, let's which, do that. I mean, I, I was debating we've done that, that with everybody who's come on. So but it we feels, should. It's, it's tradition. Yeah, it's so, tradition at this point. Yeah, go ahead and ask. Yeah, so I mean, that's the that's the question, guys. It's if the Running Man. Let, let's say it's a more realistic version, something you could actually see on TV, where maybe they're not dressing up as is you know singing opera and and doing this. But if there was whatever the. Mm, I don't know the network television version of of this with real life, like you know, child murderers and rapists and stuff. Do you do you see yourself watching a spectacle like this? Um, uh, and like, even if you don't see it, do you see it being successful? I mean, I definitely don't yes. watch it. I wouldn't watch it. I definitely no. But I think that that's one of the reasons why the movie is so catchy is there is something there is something kind of tantalizing about that about the concept. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, well, there I definitely just is. I mean, that's like, you know, and I'm, I'm speaking from a very dark standpoint here, but I, that would seem to me to be the natural conclusion to. Just the fucking the the where we're going with like reality television. Right. I watched yeah. one episode of MILF Manor and I was so <laughs> shook by what I discovered there that I ran away from it screaming. Like Tell us what is it? I, I know nothing. What tell Oh MILF Manor? <laughs> MILF Manor yeah. is a reality show where they they uh they welcome a number of MILFs onto the show. Um, let's okay. say half a dozen, let's say half a dozen milks. They are on an island, uh, I think maybe at a resort. And then there's dudes competing for their affections. Um, here's the catch. All the contestants, all the dudes are the sons of the milfs. Oh yeah. <laughs> and oh, yeah, <laughs> so you're, you're you hear this, you hear this, like I hear, I heard this, this, uh, you know, the, that's the synopsis of it, like that's the log line, and I was like, oh well, I'm gonna have to watch that immediately. Like I gotta know what that is like. What that was like was like a screaming fucking nightmare. I we we watched one episode of it, and I felt like I needed a shower. I felt like. It's the only time that I have ever watched a reality show. And I am, I kind of have a soft spot for just the most disgusting reality shows you can find, you know, that's, that can be like a comfort watch for me in the right mood. Um, This is the only one that made me walk away where I was like, this is something I should not be seeing. This is gross. So um, I think that the running man is extrapolating out what we have done to reality television over the years. I can imagine something like this existing. 
if we yeah. were slightly yeah. more bloodthirsty, and we are very bloodthirsty. Yeah, it's you know what I mean. Way, man. Yeah. Um, I feel like the first version will be something where it kind of happens by accident, and then we're like all okay with it. Ooh, <laughs> elaborate. It happens by accident like again. How? I don't know. Did it's you like guys... you see it with sports a lot. Like people get killed in things. And then oh, I see. We're like, oh, and then we're like, oh no, and then there's like outrage for a day or two, and then everything goes back to normal. Right. But you're imagining like, so it would have to be like, say, I don't know. Who's that fucking, I don't follow sports. Who's that football player that had all the dogs? He was like, oh, Michael Vick. Vick. Oh, Michael so Vick. like, yeah. let's say Michael Vick came back and then died on the field. And it was like, hmm, well, we were all pretty much in agreement that this guy was an asshole. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to get like, too callous, but I, I don't even know after a certain point if we'd need the let's make ourselves feel okay about it by making right. them bad people. Yeah. You guys I see that documentary that. in I think, I think you would need, I think you would need at least the, like the veil of protection that would come with telling yourself like, but these are yeah, bad exactly. people. So it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's okay for X, Y, and Z reasons. Right. And then I right. think, you know, that will disappear at some point. God. Or not. There was a documentary like that came out in 2000. Uh... Yeah, what's this documentary? <laughs> it's called American Cannibal. Have you guys seen it? Came out in 2006. Oh and yeah. It's about, it's about this reality show called American Cannibal, and this was like post post Kardashians. It was when reality shows were becoming this ubiquitous thing, uh-huh. and they were they were getting more and more extreme with each you know each new release, and it's about this. Uh, this production of a show where they bring a bunch of people to a to an island and starve them and then try to get them to eat human human flesh it's like a fake like a like a like a mockumentary kind of thing oh this was an actual documentary um i mean it's by what and yeah it's a crazy but it's but it was it's actually a really interesting kind of snapshot of just what reality TV was back then, and it ends up—I mean, it ends up going totally off the fucking rails. Like people are are passing out from malnutrition, and you know the camera camera guys are like, "I can't film this anymore." Like I I'm, I need to help this person, and the producers are telling them to keep filming. I mean, it's like it is a great example of how depraved that that reality TV situation can become. And I don't know, check it out. It, it was a, I remember oh, yeah. watching it, going, "Oh Jesus, hmm. we're." We're, we're on we're on a running man path and <laughs> we're not even it fully sounds, aware of it. It sounds almost but not quite like uh you ever see a movie called Series Seven? Mm. That's Yeah, I yeah, remember no. Series Seven. Yeah. That's that's also a thing where people are like being hunted for sport, if I remember correctly. Or Yeah, and it yeah, it and is, it's yeah. being televised, there's cameras everywhere. Yeah. I I mean we're we had the gladiators, man. It's like, you know, it's kind of in our our like shared DNA history, historical DNA uh, to, to watch that stuff. And the most popular sports now are, are, you know, going to be like American football or um, MMA. And, you know, you're, yeah. you're watching that to see bones break. You're watching that to see blood, you know, you're watching, you know, it, it's not like, um, like, you know, I don't know, soccer, or, you know, football for the rest of the world um, where, <laughs> You know, where th- those fans, they get violent, but they're not there to watch violence. You know what I mean? But I don't know that it just feels like there's we have a foot in that 
world already. And I just think that, you know, as divisive as this country is now, as, as, you know, I don't know, like I, there's calls for, you know, quote unquote, the na- a national divorce, you know, which is essentially AKA civil war part two, right? It's like, we're, we're, we're brushing up against some really scary things in terms of, uh, hmm. our nation, uh, as Americans. And I don't see it being too far off to, to try to yeah. placate the people by, by having these quote unquote bad folks get in a ring, you know, two men enter one man leaves, you know, I, I don't see, see that being too far off. I don't know if it would be as, as tongue in cheek as, as a running man situation or as intricate as the Bachman novel version of it, um, is, but, I would, yeah, point I, think out, I would possible. point out that the Running Man, the show within the movie, only feels tongue in cheek because it is not real, and because the movie itself is heightened. But I think I agree with I agree with, right. I agree with you that yeah, it would, it could exist. Anyway. The world is good. Well, Everything's fine. Note, this is the key yes. to <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, go see Scream 6 in theaters now. Uh, uh, this is usually the point in the show where we invite our guests to tell us where uh, what they're working on next. You, we've already had that conversation. And, you know, it was, uh, you know, we didn't get very far with it. Um, but also we, we, we invite you to, uh, tell people where they can find you on, on social media. And, um, I know they can find scream six in theaters, but if there's anything else you want to draw attention to or promote, please, please feel free to do so. Uh, we can be found on all socials using just our names, wildly inventive social media, (laughs) social media handles. Um, and, uh, Go watch the movie Joyride. It's it's the movie that we try to tell everyone. Go yeah. watch. We we're trying to build a a larger Joyride fandom. Uh, you got to get Ted Levine in one of your movies, guys. Yeah. Oh God, the dream. Curdy curdy. No, we've already got the King cast coming in for cameos, guys. <laughs> Ted Levine. We just don't have room for Ted. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Ted Levine on the radio. Uh, he's got a better voice, but fuck him. We win. We ask first. <laughs> we'll get Ted Levine as a guest on the imaginary show that we record for yes, whatever this where is. we're talking yeah. about the mangler this. with Ted that's Levine. That's a great idea. Oh, that's right. Love He's in the mangler. Idea. Yeah. Yeah, he has the jacket. <laughs> we'll we'll yeah, do we'll yeah. do a, Oh, we're cooking exclu- with gas now, babies. An exclusive radio silence episode <laughs> of the Kingcast just just for uh just for that cameo. Done. <laughs> Ted, just say candy cane for about 90 minutes straight. <laughs> well, gentlemen, uh, congratulations on all of all of Thank your success. You. Everything you've done so far. We are huge fans. So excited for you all. And, um, you know, uh, we we look forward to talking to you again in the future. This was a blast. Likewise, guys. Thank We're you, huge yeah. fans of the podcast. And it's been it's been really fun. Thank you for uh, for having us on. Many thanks to Matt Bettinelli Open and Tyler Gillette. Uh, two thirds of Team Radio Silence uh, for joining us and talking a little bit about Scream and a lot about bad Arnie puns. They were uh, uh, they were a hoot, were they not? I yeah, I know. And can you only imagine if Chad had been able to to join them and we got the full triumvirate of of Radio Silence? I think uh, that we'll, would have like put it over the top. It just would have been too much awesomeness. So we'll get we'll get we'll get him on the on their next go around. I have a feeling those guys will be back. 
Yeah, they seem to have have a lot of fun. So, yeah, uh, they, as did they we. Definitely that, did. Yeah, big big fans of theirs. Going back to their VHS segment, I remember being wowed by that that haunted house one. It was like uh, the first time you you know you have that whenever you go to film festivals or you see see like indie stuff. You have that moment where you go, oh, well, these people know what they're doing, and that was certainly that. And now they're taking over the world, and you know. So definitely the world of horror and, and uh, all their little teases about whatever the random <laughs> thing they're working on next that they they uh, would only hint at sounds badass, too. So did you I mean, I after we rec- I didn't re- realize it in during the conversation, but I realize I know what it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You probably know, too, and just don't realize it because it's been a minute since. Mm we'll talk about it off the air but <laughs> is it yeah, darby it, o'gill and the little people um a lot of it like s- certain things they said make a lot of sense in retrospect oh. i'll say that so oh, I'll, uh, yeah i'll let you i'll let you know off the air but yeah i'm i'm very much looking forward to everything those guys do in the future and particularly that so get excited folks Ooh, nice Speaking of getting excited, I'm very excited for next week's episode. Um, I will oh, tell you yes. guys the the topic is uh, a return to the world of Job and the Lawnmower Man, but our guest is somebody I am just dying to jump on the line with. We're actually, as we're recording this, we are leaving this uh, ad recording, ad and outro recording. We are leaving this right into our chat with next week's guest, mm-hmm. who is very heavily associated with a little thing called the last of us and Mm -hmm. i love the show i love the game and this guest is going to be somebody that has a foot in both and i can't wait this is gonna be not i want to i want to be clear and cut it off before anyone starts losing their shit it's not pedro pascal oh yeah no of course not pedro if if it was pedro pascal we wouldn't be able to keep our fucking lips shut about it i'll tell you that probably (laughs) we would just you know not that our guest isn't exciting but Pedro Pascal, like that would, I mean, come on, you know. We, yeah, he's we, the king of the world right now. It's just him and right. Kihoi Kwan. Those, those are the two kings <laughs> yeah, of the world. The two the guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm very excited about it, too. And also, just as a little tease, while revisiting the Lawnmower Man for this this episode, mm. um, I, I came to think about the film in a different way. And I, I want to introduce a new a new argument into the uh, Kingcast discourse about the Lawnmower Man this time, and I'm I'm excited to uh, unveil that on on next Ooh, week's show. I, I took wait. notes and shit. You know how much it takes me to to take notes. I know that's like the first time. Like it was just like this and Stephen King coming on. I think those are the only time. <laughs> yeah, you've taken notes. <laughs> once the angle kind of occurred to me, I, I started like jotting down in my head. And once I got three or four in, I was like, I better write this down because I'm very, I'm very stupid, man. And I will forget them <laughs> by the time I get on air. But yeah, very excited for that. And then uh, this week on the Patreon, we've got a, a really uh, what, what I'm very much looking forward to. We are bringing on. A gentleman by the name of Drew Taylor, who is the co-host of the Light the Fuse podcast. It's a it's a Mission Impossible podcast. Vespi and I guessed it on it. I think during our first year of operation, we went on there and talked about first Mission Impossible and Brian De Palma and Carrie, like all at the same time. Big crossover. And so we've asked we've asked Drew to come on, having now had Tom Cruise on his own podcast, now intimately familiar with his best friend Tom Cruise. To come on for a discussion wherein we will each pick the Stephen King adaptation we think Tom Cruise could headline. His name has come up in other conversations we've had about King adaptations. Like he was um, briefly involved with uh, 
Shawshank Redemption. Right. Um, I think we pitched him for maybe this or that part, you know, casually here and there over the years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, I think some of our some of our listeners, I don't think they're big Tom Cruise fans. That's that was the impression that I got. So um, I hope that you will still find the episode entertaining. Uh, we we are we we do like Tom Cruise. He's a fucking weirdo, but, you know, he's our weirdo. And <laughs> um, and I'm excited to hear what each uh, title y'all are bringing to the table. I've got my my argument yeah. prepared. I, I've been going back and forth between two, so I'm going to have to figure out which one I'm going to pick. Uh, but no, it's a fun topic for discussion. And uh, and that's kind of the thing we like to do over on our Patreon is these random king asides. And the they're very conversational, the, a lot of our bonus episodes where it's like hanging out with some friends and just shooting the shit when some random bug gets mm-hmm. up our ass about some certain topic. Uh, and this is going to be one of those Drew knows his shit, Tom Cruise inside and out. He, we know our King shit. I think that we have a great overlap there. And um, yes. if, if you want to listen to that, head on over to patreon.com slash the King cast and sign up. And there you'll not only get to hear that this Friday, you'll get access instantly to the multiple dozens, if well over a hundred, I think now at this point, um, bonus episodes we've done. Oh yeah. From Easily. Commentaries, niche episodes, interviews, so much, so much good stuff. So head on over to patreon.com slash the King cast, join the community over there. We will appreciate it. Indeed. See you next week, folks. Bye. The KingCast is a Fangoria podcast production. The show is produced, hosted, and created by Eric Vespi, that's me, and Scott Wampler. Tira Andley and Abby Goel are executive producers. Daniel Danger is our art director, and editing is done by yours truly. Mm-hmm.